I'm Kathy Zip, Managing Editor of Solar Power World Magazine. Welcome to another edition of Solar Speaks, Solar Power World's podcast series that gives you the opportunity to hear from the industry's biggest newsmakers in their own words. This podcast is brought to you by Allied Molded Products, maker of fiberglass and polycarbonate enclosures. Allied Molded Products, your choice for non-metallic enclosures. As you probably know, the Senate proposed reducing the investment tax credit from its current 30% to 20% last month. Today we have Jamie Hahn, co-founder and managing director of Northeastern solar developer Solus Partners, to explain what this could mean for the solar industry and where the solar industry can turn for the additional financing. So thank you so much for being with us, Jamie. Thank you very much for having me. Jamie, first, let's talk about this proposal. Now, organizations like the Solar Energy Industries Association, SIA, they've expressed concern that reducing the solar ITC could jeopardize future clean energy development in the United States. But I've heard others, such as partners at various law firms, call this proposal innovative and that it's technology neutral. So can you explain a little more about the proposed plan and the pros and cons that you see with it? Yeah, certainly. As you indicated, there is the proposed tax reform. Basically, the Senate Finance Committee chairman, as we know, Max Baucus, has proposed a sweeping set of reforms on energy-related tax incentives that would basically overhaul energy tax breaks that are offered by the government and really look to tighten up the approximate 42 different energy incentives for promoting renewable energy that are currently in place, but most of them are only in place temporarily. And notably, as you touched on, the plan is really there to ensure that all energy tax incentives would become more technology neutral and provide an equal credit to all U.S.-produced resources or technologies based on carbon emission levels. I think there's really two pieces specific from the solar industries, and the one is the investment tax credit. And as you had indicated, the proposed is to lower that from 30%, which is in place through the end of 2016. It's actually set to go to 10% as it sits now beginning in 2017, and the new proposed reforms are saying that it would go to 20%. So that's one piece of it. And then the other piece is the accelerated depreciation benefits that are derived in investing in the solar assets. I think the most important thing is that it will objectively, based on what's been proposed, I think make a current U.S. tax code that is much simpler and fairer for everyone that's involved. And it's imperative for us to shore up short-term nature of current incentives into longer-term, bring certainty to the marketplace and stability. And that's absolutely critical in effectively stimulating future investments in this space. I understand that C is concerned that there is a proposed reduction of the ITC, but at the same time, as I said, it's already factored in that it's supposed to go to 10%. Pertaining to the depreciation, I think there's still some unknowns there. I mean, we have currently right now the maker's accelerated depreciation, and the fact of what they're proposing is to potentially either reduce that or turn that into a straight-line depreciation, and we really do need clarity on how that's going to be handled. If it goes to a five-year straight-line depreciation, then we're going to lose some of the initial tax benefits that you get in the first two years. Net, it probably won't have a major impact, but just the uncertainty of not knowing how the accelerated depreciation 
will be handled in this proposed legislation does raise some concern. And Jamie, can you just explain a little bit about what you mean about depreciation? There's two separate tax benefits currently right now. You get the 30% federal investment tax credit dollar for dollar against the overall project cost. Then you're able to take 85% of the total project cost as your depreciable basis on that given asset and depreciate it over a five-year modified accelerated depreciation schedule. And that schedule, the percentage breakdown, it's not straight line, meaning that each of those five years, a same percentage is used to calculate. The first two years, the vast majority of the depreciation is able to be taken, and then it really begins tailing off to a much smaller percentage when you get into the fourth, fifth, and actually the six-year schedule. So there's benefits to be able to take as much of that depreciation up front in the transaction. And two years ago in the solar industry, we had a 100% bonus depreciation. So in essence, you were able to roll up that whole depreciation schedule and take it in the first year. Last year, we had 50% bonus depreciation. So again, it created further incentive to take more of that tax benefit up in the front part of the schedule. And again, these are just proposed that they're looking to try to go to more of a straight line where it would be a set percentage each year. So it's pushing some of the tax benefits back to the third, fourth, fifth, and sixth years. So that could create a negative to the overall internal rate of return calculations that you're doing on placing that capital into that project. Now, if they move it to a three-year pool or a three-year schedule that's straight-lined, then net we're probably in the same position that we are, and I don't think it would be a major issue to the overall market. Thank you for clarifying that. Can you tell us what's most likely to happen with this? Do you think that it'll go through? It's a really good question. Right now, I don't think it has much of a likelihood of going through before the summer recess. And then once they come back from summer recess, I really do believe that the main focus that they're going to have is on the upcoming election. I don't see the tax reform happening before the election. But the question is, if it doesn't happen this year, then again, if it goes into next year, I think in essence, it represents a really good starting point that we have, but it gets back to the issue of not having certainty or clarity looking forward. And that's really, I think, the biggest underlying concern. So I don't have high hopes that it will get passed, certainly pre-election, but I do think that we will see this come in place very shortly thereafter. I think the other issue is that Baucus is rumored to be a parting from chairing the Senate Finance Committee to becoming the U.S. ambassador to China. And so people are saying, will that be setback and ensuring status quo remains in place? I don't think so, because I do believe that you'll have another Democrat take the position. And I don't know the bipartisan mix, if it will really change that much. And I think it has a lot of bipartisan support. I do think it's a great starting point. I'm not as concerned with the ITC reduction because as it stands right now, the market's looking at it reducing to 10% versus the proposed 20. In addition to that, I think what you're seeing is the overall cost to construct solar assets continues to trend lower, and that will certainly continue out through the beginning of 2017. And at that point, as an industry, I think we'll become less reliant on these incentives. And again, the, the training walls of the industry will continue to, to be removed. Great. Well, while we're waiting to see what's going on with this ITC, can we talk about some other funding options besides the tax credit? Well, I think what you're starting to see is new, larger vehicles or sources for capital being introduced into the solar distributed market. 
some of the ones that we've seen are the Energies Yield Co. that was introduced last year. We also have Mosaic, which has kind of taken the lead on providing crowdfunding. And more recently, Solar City has come out with their what would be considered an asset-backed debt offering. And this is really tailored to the retail investor. And where this gets interesting, I think, is that these are offering individual retail investors the opportunity to take a share of the revenue stream from solar assets. I think Mosaic has facilitated somewhere north of $5 million since they started in 2011, and they're for mostly smaller projects. But Solar City, with their new platform, is expecting billions of dollars of investment to come through their online platform. As we look into the future, I believe it'll be these types of vehicles that really allow us to finance solar DG assets much more efficiently. And at the end of the day, I think the more sources of capital that are available in the market for financing projects, obviously the more competition you'll then have. And that's a good thing because with the more competition, that should translate into a reduced cost of capital and hence a lower financing cost moving forward. That ends up lowering the overall cost for installed solar. As it becomes more competitive, as electricity prices continue to rise, you get closer to hitting that grid parity, which we're already in in certain markets, certain pockets of California or Hawaii, besides the ITC, that solar can compete and stand on its own without any additional incentives. So I think with the reduced cost of capital, with the reduction in construction costs for these assets moving forward, that we will become less reliant on, again, the incentives that we touched on before. Absolutely. It'll be very interesting to see what happens. What are your thoughts on securization? I think there's a lot of merits behind the solar REITs that have been discussed in combination with the master limited partnerships or the MLPs for securitization. And again, I think the more effective we can become as an industry in raising capital and lowering the cost of capital, the more competitive we become. The issue with securitization I see is that it really can only be used by the larger companies that can issue millions of dollars of bonds or have a long track record or a specific rating, and they're not really going to be prevalently available to the broader market, at least initially. But in general, I think they're good structures. I know there's been a lot of discussion. Obviously, the IRS has to make some tweaks in their code in order to allow the solar REIT to really become what it could be. Obviously, MLPs have been a staple in the industry for quite some time, and I do think that we will see this evolve. I just don't think maybe in the near term, but certainly as we continue to look further out, I do believe that you'll see many, many more solar reefs and MLPs come to market once the IRS and tax code allow for that. All right. Well, again, we've been speaking with Jamie Hahn of Solus Partners, one of Solar Power World's top 250 contractors. Jamie, thank you. You've had wonderful insight, and I thank you for being with us. Well, thanks very much for the time. Again, I appreciate the opportunity. Let's see what happens as we proceed through this year. Absolutely. It'll be very exciting. This has been another edition of Solar Speak. This podcast is brought to you by Allied Molded Products, maker of fiberglass and polycarbonate enclosures. Allied Molded Products, your choice for non-metallic enclosures. I'm Kathy Zip, Managing Editor of Solar Power World Magazine. Thanks for listening, and please tune in next time.